Very good. Very, I'm very happy to be uh, in front of you this morning. Uh, I know many, many members. We see a lot of uh, empty pews this, this week. It's not because of me. Yeah. <laughs> it is just we're having, we're having people traveling. We have a long weekend. I know there are... Oh, thank you. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, can you hear me now? They're trying to record. I don't know why, but they're trying to. Uh, so we're having a long weekend, so we have a lot of people traveling. Uh, but also, we might have a few visitors also here with us this morning. I just want to say welcome. I am the community and outreach minister here at Enyunk, uh, but also I'm the Hispanic minister here at Enyunk. And... Um, I had an opportunity a few, about three weeks ago to go down to Oklahoma City to, uh, for a national preacher, Hispanic minister's workshop, and they wanted me to talk about Enioch. They wanted to know what it is a community minister. They wanted to know how can you worship together? How can you do the, the things that you guys do? And my brother, during communion, I mean, he was reading Ephesians. About 10 years ago, I was reading Ephesians, and, and right after, the verses right after where he was reading this morning, and, and I read verse 14, Ephesians 2, 14. This was not in the script. I just, it just came to mind. Uh, and it says, for he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace, who has made the two groups one. And he's talking about uh, Gentiles and Jewish. And he said, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. But setting aside in his flesh the law with his commandments and regulations. So just... When I was reading this, that happened about 10 years ago, about a decade ago, 10 years ago. And, and I just started thinking about and, and having this uh, flashback to another 20, about 23 years ago, I, I came to this country in 2003. And, and so when I came, and I come, of course, from a different culture, a different church background. And so I remember learning for the first time in my life that... Uh, there were African-American churches. What do you mean? Uh, like black churches. So there are people of just black people. Churches, that's, is that Church of Christ? Yeah, the Churches of Christ and all the churches have Chinese churches. It's not just African-American. You got people segregated. It's not just black and white. And I was shocked. It was a new thing for me. And... And I promise to myself, I will never get used to that. Never get used to that. 13, about, I don't know, 10, 12 years went through, and I came back to this passage. And then God put, it, put in my heart this desire, this idea of maybe taking a group of our members from Brewer Road. At the time, we were packed. We got too many people for the size of the building. And a lot of, all the kids were going to school. We were struggling teaching them in Spanish because now their first language 
was English, and they wanted to learn in English, and then all the teachers that we have, first-generation Christians and, and first-generation immigrants were Spanish-speaking, and it was just a struggle. And I used to, I had a, had a really good, a very good relationship with the, uh, um, with the youth minister at the, at the church, the white church that was supporting me on the other side of the tracks. And we did a lot, and I have to drive this kid back and forth, and I was so tired. Like, I was a driver for those kids, and going back and forth. And so, God put in my heart, one day I was reading this, and I say, why we cannot be one? If Jesus, through, through, through the blood of Christ, through what Jesus did on the cross, Jewish people and, and uh, Gentiles were able to come together. Of course, they have problems. And we read out of those in the scripture, but they, they have this willingness. And, and so I tried to do that in North Carolina, and I talked to two different churches, and they were not ready. And again, he was, our brother was telling us this morning, God has a plan. And today, I've been in this church for seven years. I am where I'm supposed to be. And I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to be in another place. This is the place where I want to be. And, and God was already preparing the annual church for me to come because I was not actively, actively looking for a job when Josh Diggs called me and when he said, no, I'm not trying to, we're not trying to hire a Hispanic minister. We want a community minister. We want somebody who can come and talk and work alongside us. We want to be one church. And so I saw the spirit working in this, Jew, in this man, and he said, he told me about the, the elders' decision to stay in this community, and, and I said, this is it. And, and that's why I'm here. So I was invited to go to Oklahoma City to explain to, to these ministers the, the kind of the in and outs of, of community ministry, and um, specifically here at Anion. And, and this is a question that, again, Hispanic churches, you know, all the churches, for example, in, in Nashville, how many churches of Christ we have in Nashville? And there are about at least eight churches of Christ within 10-mile radius of where we are, and we are the only one. We're the only church in this town, in this city, uh, and there are only a few in the country that are doing what we're trying to do. Even I remember when I came here, I talked to one of the elders, and he, he, he worked at one of a local university, and he spoke, he talked to the, to the Bible department, and you know, the people that know, and, and they say, man, that's, that's an impossible task. And so he said, you know, be, get ready, because they don't think this is something that is possible to do, because there's so many differences. The language being number one. Well, that person didn't know any of right? He didn't know you. What kind of heart do you have? What kind of people you are? And so, uh, so the, the, the Hispanic members, uh, preachers ask, why are they calling you? I mean, these gringos are always looking for these fancy terms, community minister. What is a community minister? Well, a community minister is somebody who is not just thinking about the people inside the walls of the church. He's looking out and trying to engage the community. 
You say, well, but if I read the Bible, that's called an evangelist. And you know, in churches of Christ, we want to call things by, 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 by Bible names, right? And, and it was, why are you getting so fancy? You are just simple evangelists. That's what you are, right? And I say, no, uh, no, we, we, we don't, we, I don't see myself really as, a, as an evangelist in the traditional sense of the word, especially because we don't use traditional evangelistic strategies. We have a lot of new members here. This, this, we continue to grow. And, and other, you know, people have been here uh, longer than three, four, five years know a little bit about this. But to the new people, the people coming, the people visiting, we don't use here at Antioch traditional evangelistic strategies. Uh, in Venezuela, I remember that you know, we were trained. They gave us Bible studies that you have ready in your, in your Bible. Man, you go out, and they, they send us out, door knocking, and you better find, and then we call, you know how we call people? Contacts. Actually, Carlos, you know, he's from Venezuela, and he says a few times, I've heard him a few times, man, I'm looking for contacts. So if you hear that word means somebody to study the Bible with. And so we were sent out, just find a contact, and this is our the Bible studies, and then we have the Bible studies ready, about seven or eight lessons ready to convince people and to let them know, you're wrong, you better get right with the Lord, boom. And it was this idea of going and, and talking to people and telling people and, and, uh, about the Lord, which is fine, uh, but we don't, we don't do that here anymore. And, and the thing is also, like, well, I, I moved to North Carolina, and we tried to do that several times. We went door knocking, and I have to tell you, it didn't work. And a lot of people say, yeah, we're going to go, and, you know, waited, and nobody came. And so I decided, well, maybe this is not the best strategy. And so I started looking into uh, who, is, who was the best evangelist. Who is the best evangelist in the Bible? Who is the best evangelist in the Bible? Right? It's the question. Some people might say, well, there is only one person in the Bible that is called an evangelist. You know who that is? Philip. If you look at the Bible, there is just one person, only one person that is called an evangelist, and that's Philip. But then when I look at Philip and I said, hmm, his approach, if people are trying to be like him, it's going to be a little hard because we don't do all the things that he was able to do. And, and I thought, well, there is not better missionary than Jesus. There is no better evangelist than Jesus. So I just adopted then Jesus' uh, strategy. So, uh, so traditional uh, um, evangelism is, you know, characterized by somebody stepping on a pulpit and starts screaming on the top of the lungs. It's a one-way conversation, right? And you better get ready with the Lord, right? And, and it's just talking and talking and talking and talking, and there is not conversation with the people. And maybe, and I know here in America, back in the day, we used to put those big evangelistic tents, and people came, right, in hundreds and all over, the, right, to hear Jimmy Allen screaming on the top of their lungs, and, right? It doesn't work anymore. It's, it's, it's a different time. And, and uh, so when, when thinking about the way I feel more comfortable, and we as a church, it's not just me, 
uh, we we trying to do a we have a different approach and you you can see this and I see well I see you guys going going door knocking if you have been part of this uh, efforts to invite we, we go out to invite people to come to for example uh, our fall festival so we don't go out looking for contacts or trying to convert any convert anyone we go out trying to meet our neighbors and talk to them uh, the people that usually go with my group and because I'm not with everybody we ask the the neighbors if they want us to pray for someone or for somebody we have prayer on the spot at other houses they have said yo just pray for me whatever but the point is that we don't go out to evangelize necessarily we'll go out to invite people and uh it's it's, it's, a, it's a, again this is a different a different approach interesting that james 119 says that everyone should be quick to listen and the old strategy you don't listen you are ready to talk and you better and and then you're just talking it's a one way it's a monologue and 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 so I, I don't do that anymore and you know God gave us two ears and one mouth so we should be listening more double than speaking and so that's kind of the, the idea I was trying to tell them that uh, I'm called a minister, and I'm not the only one. We have several ministers here full-time and part-time. And that remember that the word ministry comes from the root word to serve. And, and so I don't necessarily see myself as an evangelist because I'm here to serve. I'm here to, to make uh, authentic relationships with the people I, I come in, in, in contact with. So that's kind of more comfortable. We, it's not just me, we. And here at Antioch, we try to love people for who they are. We try to be open and, and transparent. And uh, we're just trying to build a genuine relationship. And this is something that you need to write down. And this is my approach. And I know many of you do this. I do that, and, and I, I, I try to meet people, and I'm trying to serve people, and I'm trying to get to know them, and I'm trying to listen to what they have to say, regardless if they come to my church or not, regardless if they respond to the gospel or not, because the commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. It's not convert your neighbor. Love your neighbor, right? That's the commandment from God. Love your neighbor. Guys, I want to tell you that this church knows how to love others. And if you ask any of the, the, the members of the, of the uh, and you, you need to reply to this, I ask any of the members, Spanish-speaking members, and ask them if they feel welcome and loved. Do you guys feel welcome and loved? I want to hear it. ¿Se sienten bienvenidos aquí llamados o no? Oh, my goodness. They didn't ask. I want to hear it really hard. Do you feel loved and welcome? <laughs> Yes, we feel love and welcome. Amen. <laughs> love and welcome. And so, so that's kind of what, uh, what, we, what we are. And, and why community outreach? And that's the, what is that outreach? What, what do you mean by outreach? Well, outreach means that we're not going to wait here for people to come. Because Jesus says, said, go and what? Go and what? Go and make disciples. 
So go means you need to go. And outreach has the idea of going out to reach people, to get close, go, uh, close to people. So Jesus' commandment for us was to go. Uh, this idea of waiting here for people to come, it doesn't work anymore, right? So we need to go out and we need to do and follow the, the, the Great Commission. This is uh, one of those, uh, no, it's not even a paraphrase because, because I believe it's very close to the actual uh, Greek. Matthew 28, I don't remember which version is this, but I'm going to read this really, cute, uh, really quick. Matthew 28, 18, 20, Jesus came to them and said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So that, I'm going to ask you, does Jesus have the authority to, do, to tell us what to do? And he said, God gave me the authority, and I'm going to ask you to go, I'm going to tell you to go to the people of all nations. It's just not going to the nations. That word nation is the Greek word ethnos. And that's where the word ethnicity comes from. And so he said, go to all the people groups. Nations is like the third translation of that word. It's not the first. The first ethnos is people groups. So you, when you go out, now let me ask you, how many people groups are here in Nashville? Hundreds. Hundreds. Uh, we're talking about uh, in, 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 in Metro, there is more than 100 languages in Nashville. More than 100 languages in Nashville. More than 20 languages, just I call elementary. And so we don't need to go to Nicaragua. You go out and you're going to see people from all nations. And then, uh, again, the, the, the commandment was not to baptize them. But to do what? Make disciples out of them. How do you make disciples? Is the question. Now, the other, the other thing about, and, and I'm going to make it a little bit easier later, but the other thing is that we believe that making disciples is up to us. It has to do with my ability to know the Bible, my ability to convince people, to have a good argument, and, and, and that's really far, far from, from reality. I have been here seven years in this church, and I don't want to embarrass her. But if you ask me, hey, brother, who is the, the number one evangelist in your group? Because we, we have been growing. You can see people, new people coming in. And then you can ask me, who is the evangelist? Are you the evangelist? I, told, I already told you I'm not an evangelist. Don't call me an evangelist, because that's, that's not really what, who I am. Uh, being an evangelist is like being a Christian. It's kind of part of what I am. But I don't want to be defined as an evangelist like no one, no one else here is defined as an evangelist. I'm more a minister. I'm here to serve. But then if you ask me, okay, who is the person? Who is that guy that is like, man, bringing people in? Well, it's not a guy. It's a lady. She never went to Bible school. She doesn't know Greek and she has been very consistent in, in my seven years here bringing visitors to our Bible class, bringing, bringing visitors to uh, Sunday mornings. And if you don't know her, her name is Irma. You know who Irma is? And I'm not going to ask her to get up, but she is consistent. So I was talking to her the other day, and I told her about that. Hey, Irma, uh, I'm not, I haven't told you this. 
But you are the person who is bringing somebody over. And you know what she said? Oh, that's very easy to me. I just tell them about the church and I just tell them about Christ. It is easy. It is easy when, when, you, when you love people. And so uh, one of the things that, that we forget then, and what I was trying to tell you, is that when, when you go out to evangelize and to talk people, you don't need to know all the Bible because, again, God, the promise, so he sent us to make disciples, go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them all the things, and the promise, what is, I will be with you. So what I want to, you know, remind you this morning, because nobody talks about this when, when talking about the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not up to you. I want you to understand that the Lord, the Spirit of Christ, is with you. Amen? And so we just have to do what Jesus did, because he promised us to, uh, to be with you. So when you go out... To the, to the people, you, I want you to, re, to say with me, when you go out to the people, you, you want to say, Jesus is with me. Sounds good? So I'm going to read one sentence, and you want to say, Jesus is with me. Ready? When you go out to the people, when you love and serve others, when you talk to others about him, when you baptize them, when you teach them, when you walk alongside them, that's discipleship. Discipleship is walking alongside with people. You are not doing it alone. It's not up to you. Jesus, uh, brothers and sisters, Jesus uh, is with us. Ronnie Martin had the, this, you know, he pops up. And I don't know if he's keeping an eye on me to see what I'm doing and what I'm teaching. But every so often, he comes to... to uh, to our Bible study. He came last Wednesday. I don't know if Ronnie Martin is here this morning. And he was there. He, he didn't understand much. I was trying to translate a little bit. He's a little, had a little challenge understanding me. He said, man, your, your accent is so thick in Spanish. Yes, yes. In English too, but he said that your Spanish accent is probably, my Spanish accent is probably worse. And so he was, he was there trying to listen, and he was just, you know, taking things in. He was just observing. And then a couple of days later, uh, that was, I think it was Friday, at 5 in the morning. I don't know, is Ronnie here today? Yeah, he's 5 in the morning. That dude texts you at 5 in the morning. I'm, glad, I'm, I'm happy that I was awake. And so he sent me in the morning, and he said, Brother, I didn't understand much of what was going on, but that's something that I saw. I saw a love and a passion for God and for people. And now that's, that's, that's my mantra. That became, because I, I told him, I, I, I was trying to put this in words, and he did it for me. He said, I saw a love, a love, and a passion for God and for people. Is it not what is, we are all about, brothers and sisters? And... Uh, so it was like really, really good to hear that. And so I want you to remind you this morning that our focus is authentic relationships. Of course, it's not all about having friends. Our ultimate goal is to bring people to Christ, but we need to start 
by listening to people. We need to st start by paying attention to people. And you know, we have been reading this book, uh, Healthy Discipleship, and uh, the staff, we, we, you know, we're discussing it, and the elders have the copy. And, 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 and this guy in this book, he's talking about the, American, the Americanized, Americanized Christianity. If something I didn't say it, he said it. So it's good when somebody else says it. And, and he said, in our culture, the bigger, the better. You got a huge church, you got a mega church with 60,000 people. Maybe you're doing something great, right? And, and eh, I, don't, I don't know about, about that. And when I look at Jesus, remember I told you that Jesus became my, my, my example. Uh, I, I don't think he did things uh, quietly that, that way. Uh, young people know about this term. You know, do, do you guys know about being an influencer? Right? So now this is a, a modern term for those who don't know what an influencer is. Of course, it's somebody who exerts influence. But it's a, a person who inspires or guides the actions of others. There is uh, also an influencer, that, that a social media influencer. And it's someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with his audience. And these people are selling stuff, and people think that they are their friends. Have you seen those YouTube videos? Oh, they talk to you, and they're cooking, and they're selling you all kinds of stuff. And then now this lady became my best friend, and you're just buying stuff, and she's making tons of money because they're, you know, they're having an influence on, of people. Actually, uh, according to the most recent statistics, the projected number of global social media users in this year is going to be about 4.8 billion people connecting to a, a, a YouTube channel. Right? And, and doing all these kind of uh, uh, online relationships and people making money out of them. And so you got the mega influencers, people that have more than one million followers in one platform. And they can have multiple. But then you got the mega influencers, you have the macro between half a million and a million. And imagine all these people connecting to you just by hitting your, your YouTube uh, page, they're making money plus what they sell. And then micro-influencers, just people between five, five to 10,000 uh, people. Companies don't even know about them. They're already making money. Now, let me ask you this question. According to Time magazine, who is the most influential per person in human history? This is Time magazine. This is, a, this is not a Christian magazine, of course. So if I were to ask you, According to Time Magazine, who is the most influential person in human history? Throw a name. Who say Jesus? All right. The other ones, they say, I don't know. Well, according to Time Magazine, Jesus is. And they, they, did, they did it. Uh, it was a scientific way to do it. It was not just because somebody, they're not Christians. Uh, and it was a data centric analysis. He was ranked number one, the biggest influencer. You want to know about an influencer? That's the one. And, and you know, people are not spending the time with Jesus that they're spending with these social dudes and ladies, you know, selling them stuff. But Jesus, brothers and sisters, is the greatest, the most significant figure in all of history. 
And, and the question is, how a Middle Eastern carpenter, very humble, with not formal education, could make such a big impact? And I'm going to start kind of going down, trying to wrap this up. One person at a time. Right? One person at a time. This is the problem, uh, brothers and sisters. We, we as, a, as Americans, we think about big impact and being well-known, and, and Jesus never cared about the masses. Even when he, he, he started to see a lot of people following, remember John chapter 6? He started to preach really hard sermons, sermons that were really, really hard to take. He, he fed 5,000 men, without counting women and children, they follow him, follow him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Remember that? And the, 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 the seashore was packed with people. And his sermon was so powerful that only 12 people were left by the end of the sermon. And those were the apostles. And you know what John 6, 6, 6 says? Have ever, anybody, I'm not in that little number. John those who likes the John 6, 6, 6 says that after that message, a lot of people stopped following Jesus. That's John 6, 66, the mark of the beast. And, and then Jesus turned around in 67 and asked them, are you leaving too? You remember Peter's answer? We don't have a, we don't have a place to go. Only you have words of what? Of eternal life. So I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to understand that to be able to reach the world, we do it one person at a time. And again, in this book that we're reading, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, uh, I found this wonderful quote. This is the writer quoting somebody else. Listen to this. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are indistinguishable. Is that correct? Indistinguishable. And, and this is the thing is, the, 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 the way today in our present culture, the way you show, show love to people is to listen to people, is to notice people. Last night, I went, uh, Sarah and I went to Panera Bread to have a little something to eat. And it's interesting to see young kids, you know, dating. And then this, the ladies here, the boy here, and they're like this. And then you think, oh, yes, 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 that's just the, the young people. You see old people with gray hair, right? The wife is there, the man is here, and they're like talking to people hundreds of miles away. They're not listening. They're not listening. And that's why he said that today, being heard, that somebody paying attention to you, it's like you're loving them. It's like you, you, you uh, they are important. They are important to you. I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a little challenge. This afternoon, go, you, are you familiar with Bible Gateway? You know, it's a, you know, it's a Bible app or whatever, website. And put the words, Jesus saw. Jesus saw. Go and do it this afternoon. And I have only a few examples. Jesus saw. 
And, and there, there are about 72, in, in the, you use the NIV version, about 72 uh, hits. Out of those 72, 69 are in the Gospels, of course, because it's talking about Jesus. And if you ask me, if I ask you, based on what I just said, what was Jesus looking at? People. Jesus was looking to people. He noticed people. He engaged with people. He gave them his full attention. Right? The most life-transforming stories in the gospel and the deepest biblical tr truths that we know were said in conversations that Jesus had with another human being. It didn't happen in a big uh, auditorium, one on one. And a few examples, Matthew 9, 2, when Jesus saw their faith. Remember the, the, kid, the people that brought the paralytic through the roof? People noticed their faith. Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the table. He noticed Matthew, and he called him. And if you go a little farther, Matthew 9.22, this is a lady that has this bleeding problem. She has been bleeding for, for a decade. And, and, and somebody touched. There is tons of people all over him touching him. Somebody touched me. And then Peter, my goodness, everybody's touching you. But he, he, if, and he, the, if you read the story, the Bible said that he noticed her. And Jesus turned and saw her take her daughter. So, again, you look at all those verses, wonderful and, 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 and life-changing experience happened when Jesus saw somebody. John 5, 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you, be, do you want to get well? So he noticed people. So I'm going to give you a challenge now to, to close. I'm going to ask you, brothers and sisters, you have been doing an amazing job. That when you go out of these walls, I want you to understand that we all are evangelists. That you, all of you are part of my, of my community ministry. This is not Jose's job. But I'm going to tell you something, too. I have been a minister for about 25 years. More than 90% of the people that have been able to be to baptize were people that members of the church brought to me. Brothers, sisters, co-workers, cousins, neighbors. People that I had no, no way, that I had no opportunity to meet them unless somebody brought them to me. In other words, if I didn't have people like Irma bringing uh, uh, their friends, I will be a very unsuccessful community minister or evangelist, whatever you want to call me. Because I depend on you. And I want to tell you, more than 90% of the people that we baptize in this church every year, they are your friends, they are your children, they are your neighbors, because we are not there. I'm in this office. I'm sick and tired of being in an office. Doesn't even have a, a window. Right? And then, you know, Todd comes here, and then he gets the, the, the office with a window. Yay! I'm happy for him. I'm just kidding. But we are here... Uh, minister, especially full-time minister, we don't have an opportunity to be out with people. You do. 
And you are the ones, I'm going to tell you, it's not me doing the job. Ah, oh, good job, Jose. Not good job, Jose. No, thanks. You need to say thank you, brothers and sisters, for bringing your friends uh, to our church. Yeah, we're growing. And I'm going to give you a, a, gonna, another illustration. Three weeks ago, Jose Aguilera, that's Jose Aguilera. I saw him earlier, I think. And that's his son. And, and do you know who brought them to church? That young lady, right back here, um, Karen Hutch. Did you hear that? Karen Hutch brought Jose Aguilera to this church. She doesn't speak English, but she loves people. And, and, and Jose Aguilera went to her house to fix a bathroom. He was just fixing a bathroom. But Karen Hodge looked at him. She saw him. He was not just a plumber. He was not just a repairman or a handyman. He was a person that needed to hear about Jesus. He was a person that needed to be loved. And then she got involved with them. And then she started hearing about their story, how they have to leave the country. And now Jose's wife is back in his, in his country. And she, she, she had this desire in her heart to get involved with them. They have been, even before Jose became a member a few weeks ago, they have been at her house several times on Sunday, Sunday afternoon eating. This is Karen Hutch that doesn't speak one word in Spanish. Brought Jose Aguilera. It wasn't me. I just come and, you know, talk to them, and I get all the glory. But it's, it's not me. It's you doing the work. Because, and that's why I don't like the, the evangelist title. Because Jesus told all of us to go as we go. Again, that commandment, go means as we go. As we go, let's pay attention to people. Amen? Don't ignore people. I'm going to confess another thing. Esteban Diaz... A few weeks ago, he called me and he gave me, gave me an exhortation. Say, Brother Jose, or Brother Goyo, he called me Goyo. Say, when you, when you come here on Sunday mornings, you don't say hello to me. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm there uh, by the door, and then you just, psh, psh, psh. so I'm so into, yeah, into getting the PowerPoint going, turning on the radios, that I said, you are not even paying attention to me. And so now, after he called me, I don't get offended. I make a point to when I come here to start seeing people, noticing people. It's not about the business or getting the, the, the worship going. It's about noticing and seeing people. So I'm just glad that we have, uh, let me tell you, <clears throat> this year so far, we have had, had 403 volunteers serving in all the different ministries. I'm going to tell you the ministries really quick. We got, you know, the, you know staff, full-time staff and part-time. We got some leaders. We got nine elders. We got 11 deacons. We got security. We got adult classes, class teachers. We have uh, 530 uh, service. We got greeters. We got nursery. We have attendance, counters, bell ringer. We had a bell ringer. Uh, Live words, the hub, savvy, savvy seniors. We got the Wednesday night meal. We got the visitors luncheon. We have the praise and prayer. We got the men's Friday morning prayer group, the ladies 
Friday morning, we have the, the men Hispanic uh, discipleship group, the ladies discipleship group. We got people uh, serving at the branch. We got things that happen once a year, ACE, Ladies Day, Ladies Retreat, Men's Retreat, Winter Flame, Ready Together, ABC. E, e, so we, get, we are about 480 people average, more or less. We got a few off-site. And if you have 480, 490, and 403 are doing something, that's huge, isn't it? That's huge. And then we got people in this 400 that are help serving every week. And then we have people that serve every so often. But everybody's doing something. But I'm going to finish up telling you that we are, have a big challenge in our kids. Ministry is a ministry that, like mine, is, is, is growing. We got a lot more people coming in. Right now, we have 45 Bible class teachers so far this year. This year, we have 2017 teenagers. 2017 teenagers helping and doing wow. We have a Spanish-speaking teachers uh, teaching kids that don't speak English. And, and during Fusion, we have a, about 45 volunteers, a total of about 125. And uh, Bridget said she doesn't have enough. Right now, she doesn't have enough to be able to operate. So I know I, I ha we have a lot of seasoned teachers that they're probably, that they, they, they did their job for 20, 25 years, 15 years, whatever. And I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to tell you, we need old teachers or trained teachers or seasoned teachers to train new teachers. We're having a lot of new teachers coming in, and we need your help. Okay? So two things I'm going to ask you to, uh, to, if you can, maybe you are not able to teach, if you can train, help us training other teachers, we're going to have a training pretty soon because we need more teachers in the kids' ministry. The only ministry, listen to this, that have an overflow of volunteers is high school. And of course, I mean, those people have, those kids are growing, have grown up in the church and the parents follow them. But Chuck is barely making it, right Chuck, with your volunteers? I'm barely making it with my volunteers and, and, and Bridget, she doesn't have enough. And if you don't have enough and you're using the same people, we're gonna burn them out. So that's something that you can help with, either by teaching or by training and help, help us to train other, other teachers. Amen. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters. Thank you for loving, for being uh, a loving congregation and help. Thank you for being part of my ministry. Every time you go out there and talk to somebody, I want to tell you, you're part of my ministry. It's not just me. Amen. Let's stand and let's uh, praise our Lord.